0: Okay, don't be alarmed, but for our entire lives, we've all had the idea of technique backwards. Slightly dramatic intro, I know, but I actually am being serious. So what I'm going to do is explain how I see the traditional model of practice and how we use good technique, Then I'll explain how I think it's backwards and what the alternative is. And then ultimately, I'm going to walk you through a few steps, how you can actually apply this to your skill. So this isn't purely theoretical. This is actually something that will make a big difference. And I think you'll get more out of practice when you figure out what eventually I'll call the crux of your skill. Okay, so imagine your skill. Think about a particular skill. And... Think about a few ideas that make up good technique or bad technique. So visualize these few things about your skill. I'm not going to give examples because I want you picturing your own skill. I don't want to distract you. Think about good technique. What does that entail? So the traditional model says these are the elements of good technique, so we need to practice them. A coach or someone tells you what good is, and then you repeat, repeat, repeat. Your technique starts out probably pretty sloppy. And then over time through repetition, you get better and better technique. And then once you have this good technique, you can go and apply it to a task. So you build up the technique, it becomes good, and then you can go and apply it. Now, hopefully that sounds familiar. Hopefully I'm right that this is kind of the traditional way that we see things. That's how I saw things, you know, for almost my entire life, right? Practice. That's what it is. It's developing better technique through repetition. So in your mind, you have a skill and you have an idea of what good technique is, right? And, and the traditional way of getting there. So now think about the task directly. So for instance, if I'm a pitcher uh, throwing a ball to a catcher's mitt, or if I want to learn a handstand, getting upside down on my hands and not falling over. If I'm a climber, you know, holding onto a bunch of crazy stuff to get to the top of a rock or a wall. Think about the task directly. If you take someone who's never done it before and they go and try it, something will happen. It probably won't look like an expert. Something is going to happen. There will be some outcome, good, bad, or ugly. What happens there I would call technique. The technique emerges from the person interacting with the task. So I try to throw the ball to the catcher and whatever my body does is the technique. So the traditional model says, I have this technique within me, and I go and apply it. Rather, I think the task yields the technique. The task leads to the technique. So as you practice the task, the technique that emerges will change, because you'll start to get used to what works and what doesn't. So if I try to throw a ball to the catcher or shoot an arrow at a target, I'll start to figure out like, oh, it's going off to the right. I should try something different. Or why does it keep going down into the ground? And over time, my technique will change whether I know it or not to get the outcome that I want. So if you want to simplify this, I would say, rather than technique arrow task, it's task arrow technique. Now, my favorite example of this, I guess I'll give you two examples. One is a common occurrence in my everyday life, um, and that is walking up and down hills. So if I'm walking on flat ground, I'm stepping left, right, left, right. I'm not thinking about it. I've been doing it for my whole life. I'm pretty comfortable walking. Let's say I get a phone call. I'm stressed about work. Maybe I trip even, but I can manage the demands of the walk. If I start to go uphill or downhill, my technique will change. My gait will change. So for instance, you may have noticed walking uphill, you intuitively lean forward a bit. If not, next time you walk up a hill, notice what you're doing. (laughs) You're probably leaning forward a bit. The person and the hill are interacting to create kind of the, the technique that needs to be true because you're always trying not to fall over. And you don't need a coach to come tell you, hey, make sure you lean at exactly 18 degrees and do this with your ankle and that with your hip, right? You take on the task directly and you try your best not to fall over. So hopefully that's relatable for some of you. Another example, um, I personally don't have kids, but I've gotten to see my nieces learn to crawl and walk a little bit. And it's an amazing, (laughs) an amazing experience. And I'm pretty confident if you have kids or if you remember when you were learning to walk, you probably don't learn to walk or crawl by learning the right technique. It's not like, all right, kiddo, sit down. We're gonna list these these cues that you need to learn. Yep, make sure you stay upright. Yep, right foot goes forward. You strike the heel and then you're gonna shift your weight and pronate the foot. It sounds ridiculous, right? You try to walk. You see how it goes. You probably stumble and fall over. And then you try again. And as parents or guardians or assistants, what what do we do? How do you teach someone to walk? You probably have a safe space, maybe some uh, constrained boundaries where they can't fall outside of that. Maybe you hold their hands or lift them up in some way. You give them exposure to the task in a safe way. And then the practice is trying and failing and trying and succeeding a little bit and trying and failing and learning what works and what doesn't. So you take on the task, and through that process, the technique emerges over time. Everyone's technique will be a little bit different because everyone's body is different and everyone's task is a little bit different. So rather than the traditional model that says you have to learn the right technique so that you can go and apply it, you can simply do things and the technique will come out of the process of doing them. Hopefully I'm making some sense. Now I'll give an example of something you've heard me talk a lot about, and that is climbing. So recently, I won't even talk about myself. I'm reminded of the last video I posted of fee in my Instagram story. She was doing this really hard boulder. It's a boulder at a grade, a level that she hasn't yet done. It would be her highest yet. And the very first move is maybe the hardest or second hardest move in the whole thing. It's like really hard just to get off the ground at all. At least for me it was, and I think for Fia it was. She goes to do the move after a little bit of practice and I'm like, oh my God, like you look like a climber. (laughs) Like what happened? You look so legit. She was in this crazy position where she's like supporting weight down on her right hand and pulling from her left hand. She has a left foot up and her right leg like shoots out underneath that foot. It's called flagging. And she's at this like really leaned angle and it just looks super cool. Now, I certainly didn't teach her that technique. She doesn't have a coach. No one taught her like, hey, this is how you flag to do a move where the left hand is higher than the right and you only have a left foot. So you need to make sure to blah, 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 blah. She never practiced that movement. She just responded to the demands of the task as it was happening. So it's like, I have weight in this foot. I can't put my right foot anywhere. There's nowhere to push off of. And I need to be able to lean my weight under this hand. How can I do that? The leg just goes there to get the weight into the right position. Okay, The technique emerges from the task. That doesn't mean it will always happen magically and everything you do will be as efficient as possible, right? Practice still needs to happen. But when you're practicing, you're practicing tasks directly and learning what works and what doesn't. So I like to think of them as puzzles as opposed to perfect technique. If you want to get better at something rather than trying to find the perfect technique and repeat it over and over again, my recommendation would be see how you can make it into a variety of puzzles. So with climbing, the example is really easy. We have all these different routes that the route setters set. It's amazing. They give us all these different puzzles to try and solve. And in trying to solve them, we learn a bunch of techniques. We learn how to solve different problems. The same thing would be true for what might look like a more repetitive task. If you're throwing to a target, can you see it as a puzzle? If you want to balance a straight handstand, how can you make that a puzzle? Whatever your skill, rather than perfect repetition, think, how many different puzzles can I take on? Okay, if that wasn't practical enough, which if you followed it, it totally should be, (laughs) but if it wasn't, you've now officially made it to the practical section of the podcast. So if you're the kind of person who likes to write things down, you might grab something to write with. If not, or if you're uh, doing laundry or cooking some dinner, you can listen through it and think about your skill. And then if it seems helpful, you can always come back and replay this section. So think about your practice, a skill you're working on. We're going to try to figure out what are the basics of your skill. Okay. So think about a few techniques. And if you're writing, write down a few specific techniques in your skill. So for instance, in climbing, I mentioned uh, flagging the leg. We might talk about smearing the foot. Uh, We might talk about different uh, types of grabbing something like a Gaston and all these different techniques. Write several of those down. If you want to be exhaustive about it, try to write down every technique. You probably won't ever get there, but write a handful of techniques down. Then for each one, you're going to try to figure out what is it trying to solve? What problem is the technique trying to solve? So. I gave the example of the flag. Maybe I'll use a slightly more relatable one. Um, do, do, do. Okay. I'm sticking with climbing, but even if you've never climbed a day in your life, this should make some sense. You might think about a technique where you have to open your hips wide and lift your foot really high. So if you've seen anyone climb or done some climbing, you've probably seen this a really high step where the knee is out to the side, the foot is out to the side, and they're Extremely flexible, right? Now, why would this like turned out open hip high step be a technique that we would practice in climbing? What problem is it trying to solve? I would say it's solving, well, first of all, the high step would be for where you can actually put your foot on something where the hold is. But the reason we want to open the hip in that direction is to keep our hips and our weight close to the wall. So I'm imagining a climb where if I start to lean back and lift my knee straight in front of me, my body goes back from the wall, and then I might fall backwards off the wall. Whereas if I can keep my weight nice and close, when I go to push down on my foot, I can really put weight on it and stand up on it. So if you're a climber, this is going to sound extremely elementary. If you're not, hopefully it's making some sense. The problem is falling away from the wall. The the solution is you stay close by using the technique. So rather than thinking of it as a turned out high step or whatever a, a fancy climber might call it, rather than that just being good technique for the sake of capital G, capital T, good technique, it works because it's addressing an actual problem. It keeps us close to the wall, so it stops us from falling, and that is why in those situations it's good, because it works. Okay? So for each of your techniques, see if you can figure out what it is trying to actually solve. Hopefully you didn't come up with too many or you'll have hours and hours of homework, but see which ones come easily. Like that example popped into my head as as fairly intuitive and, and relatable. And maybe some are a little trickier to figure out. Maybe some you actually don't know. So if you do know Now you have kind of a list of your principles, like staying close to the wall or keeping your your weight over your feet. These are kind of the basics of climbing, whereas lifting a high foot with a turned out hip is just an example of one specific thing you need to do in some situations. Like Managing your, your weight over your feet really gets at what you're trying to do across many different situations. So I'd call this like the basics or the the basic principles that will apply throughout your practice. If you don't know what a technique is trying to solve, that's an interesting situation we're in. So maybe you're a beginner or maybe, you know, you haven't practiced it for that long. Maybe you don't know everything. That's fine. It's okay not to know things. But another potential outcome is maybe they're actually not necessary. So maybe there's this idea that it's good technique, but maybe it isn't (laughs) if it's not actually solving something. So of course I don't know your skill, I don't see your list in front of me, but you're kind of at this fork in the road. Like, is it just that there's a basic principle and I don't quite know what it is here? Or is this just an idea that someone said I have to use this certain technique and maybe I don't? So you've got a list of techniques, You've hopefully got a list of basic principles, like the things they're trying to solve. Now, you might consider which principles are easier for you to apply and which are harder. So see if you can describe what you need to get better at for your skill in just principles. So rather than saying, I need to get better at flagging and smearing and high feet and Gaston's and all these different techniques... See if you can describe it in just principles. So for example, I need to get better at keeping my hips close to the wall would be one example of that. Now, if you can do that, you might have an overwhelming list. If you have lots and lots of different techniques, you might have just one or two. But think about, can you pick one? Like of all these different principles, of all these different techniques, is there one principle, one thing that one or multiple techniques try to solve that's most important for you that's the key for you personally to get better for where you are right now if you can you have what i'd call like the crux of your practice and i say that semi ironically i used that term before i got into climbing it also happens to be a climbing term but again if you're a climber try to maybe ignore that for a second this is the crux of your skill the the key thing that's gonna help you get better is getting better at this basic. So instead of a laundry list of techniques that everyone is supposed to practice and you have to perfect and repeat and repeat and repeat, you now hopefully have an idea of like, hey, here's the thing I need to work on. It's, I need to keep my hips close to the wall or whatever it is for you. If that doesn't sound helpful, I'll tie it up with one last bow and that is sustainable frequency. If you've got the crux in mind, and if not, maybe go through this exercise again, take it a little more slowly, maybe write it out, Uh, ask me a question for sure if anything I said didn't make sense. But if you have the crux in mind, it's like, hey, this is the the 20% that if I pour my energy into it's going to lead to 80% of my progress. This is like the core of the thing. This is the crux. Then you might ask yourself, with what frequency can you practice it? How often? can you practice the crux of your skill? And I would add, how often can you practice it sustainably? So, for example, if the crux involves like smashing your shin into a hard object to condition it, (laughs) if you're into Muay Thai, how often can you do that sustainably? Whereas maybe if your skill is um, handstanding and the crux is... Uh, shifting a little bit of weight forward on your hands, then maybe you can do that a little more frequently than smashing the shin. But how often can you practice the crux? Not practice everything, not do all the techniques in the whole world, but how often can you practice the crux? And when I say sustainably, you might picture a week when you're not feeling well, you're busy, you're maybe stressed. On that type of week, can you practice it once, maybe a couple times? if you can practice the crux week in and week out, it is inevitable that you will make progress in your skill. And I don't even need to know what your skill is or who you are, but if you really do have the crux of it for you, and you can practice it over and over and over again in a sustainable way, you'll get better.